Well, today we're going to talk about identity theft, uh, discovering who you are. Uh, I know that this is going to be a very life-changing um, message today. It's one, it's one of those ones that um, you may have, you know, gone online and you probably read through the book of Ephesians and other places where the scriptures say who you are. You know, you know, I am blessed, I am chosen, I am gifted, I am graced by the Lord. Uh, I really want to take a deeper look at this and look at really the, the foundations of it so that you have a deeper root to know that who you belong to. Um, I went to go see that movie, G.I. Joe, a couple days ago. Um, I had a free ticket to an IMAX movie that I'd had for a while, and it was expiring. And I thought, okay, well, I'll go see this. I didn't really know much about it. But one of the things that one scene in there was the president. It turns out that the real president wasn't the real president. It was someone looking like him. Uh, through some special DNA evolutionary matching that made him look like it, and um, he was impersonating him. And so the impersonator president was talking to the real president back in some bunker, and, and he was kind of telling him all the dastardly evil things he was doing in his name. And, um, and there was a scene where the, that, that president in this G.I. Joe, he, he, he looks at the imposter, and he goes, you know, one day, he goes, he's, you're going to be held accountable for this. And, and the bad guy impersonator who looks just like him says, actually, and he starts laughing. He goes, you're the one who's going to be held accountable to this because everyone thinks that you did this. And, and I thought, what would it be like to wake up and realize that someone had taken your identity in fullness and done all this, these deeds with it and got you such a bad reputation, such a bad stain that, uh, that you were um, almost, uh, uh, you know, an isolated um, um, figure who couldn't belong anywhere. And I thought, well, what if it worked in reverse? What if there was someone who were to impersonate you or to take over who, your identity, and they were to make righteous and in good and incredible deeds on your behalf? How cool would that be? Wow. How, how many think that this is exactly what Jesus Christ did? That he, that he comes in your form. And he does all kinds of incredible things that you'll be held accountable for. And the Bible says that you get credited for these things. You get credited for what he does. This is a good news. Amen? Amen. And, and this is really at the heart of what I want to talk about. Uh, identity theft. Discovering who you are in Christ. Who did God make you to be? And so let's pray and ask the Lord to open our hearts that we can hear something fresh from his spirit. Amen? That his word would come to life for us. And Father, we come uh, before you, Lord, with uh, open hearts. Lord, where we're closed, I pray that you'd open us up to you. I pray that your scriptures and um, your ideas and principles in your word would come to life for our sake and for your name's sake. Lord, I pray that we'd get an understanding of who you called us to be and how you see us. And uh, I pray that your grace would um, open our eyes, Lord, to the truth that's in you. Lord, I know that you want to... Open up hearts right now. Just pray for each person, Lord, that your love would just blow them away. Show them how much you care about them. Lord, let them see that you're on their side. Lord, if there's someone in the universe that's on their side, it's you. You're the God that is for us. You are for us. And Lord, reminded of that. And Lord, all the imagery, Lord, of not just of what we've done. Lord, the shame and the fears that we carry, Lord, um, but also even our, our willful sins, Lord, and our um, 
fear of relationship and intimacy. Lord, break down those walls so that we can know you, that we can walk with you. In Jesus' mighty name, can you say amen? You know, if you want to really summarize the gospel up, besides the means of the good news and how that, that Jesus does come in our place and he dies on the cross and pays for our sins and conquers, you know, the unrighteous things that we've done, and overcomes them by his own righteous life, and also the, the law and the commandments that he's fulfilled and the prophecies that he's fulfilled, all culminating into a, a deliverance. I want you to see that there's, there's not just that, but what is his goal? And his goal is to draw us near to him, amen? And if you think about it, if you think of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, imagine their face, that, that they, in relationship, are in a sense and how he's drawing us in is face to face. You know, that we would be able to look. Imagine being able to look in God's eyes without impurity, without deception, without fear, um, without the shame of what we've done. Have you ever done anything and had to kind of bow your head because you were ashamed of what you did? And you just went, gosh, you know, it's like I don't know if I can look at anybody. This, this, this kind of shame. God wants to deliver us from these things. He wants to give us that holiness that we can have that relationship so that it can be pure. It could be love unleashed with no hindrance. Imagine that our marriages would be like this. Imagine that our friendships would be like this. God is doing everything that way. Now understand that when he looks at us in Christ, that he's seeing us in the way that we really are, in the way prophetically. Remember, God is not bound by time. He sees the finished product of who we are. And, uh, you know, uh, as I was going through this message preparing for it, I was really asking the Lord, I was saying, Lord, you know, uh, I, I don't want to just, just grab some text out that I know say what it's, they're supposed to say and just say them. I, I really wanted the Lord to speak to me something that was fresh for us. And, you know, uh, just as I was about to fall asleep, I, this, the Lord just spoke to me and he said, I, I want you to think of the prodigal son. And, and it was like, right when he said it, I thought to myself, wow. You know, and, and most people know the story. That there's actually two prodigal sons. You know, I, I guess when you buy your Bible at the Christian bookstore, they have an extra header there before the actual text that says the prodigal son, as if there was one of them. Because the other son, after the one gets redeemed, the other one's ticked off that the other one's getting redeemed, and now he's prodigal. Right? He was never happy in the first place. You know, you have the over-religious and the under-religious. But I want you to see this. What happens with this and what's so profound about it is, is this fact. I'm going to see if I can pull it up here. I know I have it in here somewhere. Um, I don't remember what I did with it now. But it doesn't matter. I, I remembered. Oh, there it is. You know, the one, the one son, he gets his inheritance. So he is a son. He is a true son. He is a, has the full inheritance from the father. And he is a really a ruler about to come into um, his position. And right when he comes into the position where he has authority, where he has some rulership, he squanders it all. And, and, he, and the Bible says that he goes to all kinds of, of lengths. He starts to give himself over to, to a loose lifestyle and um, just open uh, licentiousness. Um, he just gives himself over to total escapism um, with, um, uh, you know, get a drunkard, basically. 
And he ends up in basically with the pigs in the mud. And the Bible says that he finally comes to his senses. You know, his senses don't even bring him even close. But his own senses bring him to the place of, you know, I could at least be a slave in my dad's, you know, corral that I could at least get some food. That's what he's thinking about himself. That's how he's defined himself. And I wonder at his lowest point what he was thinking to himself because he was a son of his father the whole time, right? The father hadn't lost that sight of that. Not for one second had he lost sight of that. But, but the son was probably thinking, you know, I'm a drunken, prostituting loser. That's what I am. And I, and I think of all the analogies that Jesus could pick in his parable to describe the love of the father. And this is the one he picks, that the guy goes to the extreme length, takes all the inheritance that's given to him, and I think of all the grace that's given to us, and this person has squandered it to the the nth degree. And even while he's defining himself as, this is what I am, this is what I am, he finally says, but maybe, maybe I can just get a little bit off, maybe I can just work my way back up. You know, just get into my father's house. At least I can eat. That's the barely, you know, the bare minimum there. And and then I contrast to how the father sees him. And here is really the heart of my message. How does God see see you? How does he see you? How does he define you? And we're going to talk about two descendants. One is from Adam, that we are born in Adam. How many agree that you've sinned? So it wasn't just that Adam sinned and then we fell into that same nature. That's true. But how many know that we can also identify with our own sin to accompany Adam? We did it too. Just turn to someone and say, I did it too. And I may be born in Adam, but can I tell you what? I've also been born again in Christ. And I have a new life. And I have a new destiny. And I have a new eternal life. And I have a new provision. And I have a new destiny of who I've become, a new purpose. And I look at this father as he's looking at the son. And this is what he says. This is where the son, the son says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And, And I love this line. It's one of my favorite lines in the scriptures. It really is. It says, he ran to him. He ran. Can you see the father describing himself as running toward him. That is awesome. Imagine God running toward you. And and listen to what he's saying. It says he threw his arms around and he started kissing him. He's kissing him. His arms are around him. And listen to the son. The son says, Father, I've sinned against you. Imagine he's getting kissed by the father. And, And the whole time his... His, he's making these excuses, man. I totally blew it. I just want to let you know. And I'm not worthy to be called your son. And it's like, the father says, this is my son. And he's saying, I'm not worthy of it. I'm not worthy of it. I, I, I know what it, your son is like. I know what you're like. Trust me, I'm not worthy of it. Dad, you have no idea what I've been doing. And he looks straight at him and he says, He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He says, the father looks to his servants and he says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. It's like royalty. Put the authority back on him. Put the sandals on his feet. 
bring the fattened calf. We're making some hamburgers. <laughs> bring the broccoli. Bring the cauliflower. We're going to saute some veggies. No, I'm just kidding. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. What we've lost is our identity. We don't know who we are. We've forgotten who we are. And out of our mouth comes, and you can just say it, not now, but I'm just saying in your own heart, where you go to God and you say, Lord, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I don't feel it. I don't sense it. I don't think I've lived up to what you have. And that's why we have Christ. That's why Christ wasn't wasting his time when he went to the cross. He wasn't saying, oh, you know what? 80% of them need it, but the other 20 don't. Because, you know, the minute the other son who'd been doing all the dues and saying, well, where's my reward? Where's my thing? Where's, you know, how come I don't get it? How come I'm not getting all this? How come you're not, you know, taking care of this? It's like he didn't understand the grace message. And the father loved that son too, but had to redeem him. Listen, we are part of either two families. We're either from Adam or from Christ. Let's look at the first one. The two most important people in the world. The first Adam and the last Adam. This is where we get our identity. How many have been born in this world? Raise your hand if you've been born into this world. Anyone from Venus or Mars? Any Jupiterians? I don't know if that's the right word. <laughs> All of a sudden, some org stands up. I am from Jupiter. I am a Jupiterian. Org, sit in the back, please. Where's Gandalf? Just kidding. It says, since death came through a man, that's Adam, the, res- the res- resurrection of the dead also comes through a man, for as in Adam. Now remember, Adam is a representative of us. We should understand this working, living in the United States because we have representation government. We don't, we don't get things done by popular votes. Sometimes you get 51% versus 49, and the other one still wins, even in a presidential election, because of the way we have an electoral college and also the fact that we have representation government. In other words, we elect a representative who goes and represents us at the state capitol or at the federal government level. And then we hope they get things done. Let's pray. (laughs) But that's Adam is one team. He's one group. He's one category. He's a representative of mankind. We have all been born in Adam. So we at one point belong to Adam's family. We are his family. That's our identity. And that is a fallen identity. It's a discouraged identity. It's a defeated identity. It's an identity that never gets over the hump. It may get money, but not have the ability to to find the freedom with it. It never gets to the point of satisfied relationship. It, It is always distant from God. It is Adam who has fallen on the curse. But thank God we have a second Adam, amen, who comes in the same representation representing us. The Bible calls the second Adam or the last Adam. So in Christ, all will be made alive. So in Adam, everyone say, we all died. Okay, that's what happened. We died. Now you say, well, I'm still alive. 
Yes, you're physically alive, but you're spiritually died. Your connection to God, your ability to be like him died. You can imitate him. You know, look what he does and let's imitate him. And all kinds of religions all over the world try to imitate Christ. But there's a difference between imitating and actually having Christ in you who is living in you and building himself up through his life. So in Christ will all be made alive. The other scripture says this, the first man, um, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, he became a life-giving spirit. He gave us life. So look at the two. Believers being in Christ are those who've not been born in Adam. They've been born in Adam, but now they've been, can everyone say, born again. Born again. So born again isn't just a type of belief or, you know, you raised your hand one day at, at a football game when they asked for an altar call or promise keepers. Born again as you've been born again by the Spirit because your faith is in Christ. And now you belong to Him. You're no longer in Adam you have a different identity. Say it with me. Say, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Lord. I belong to him. I am in Christ. I am no longer in Adam. So we're, we're, we're not, you know, just saying everyone who's in Adam, we don't care about you. But the Bible says that there's a higher calling here, that there's a calling that says you belong to God, you'll be part of what he's doing. So the Bible speaks about this identity 216 times in the New Testament. Those in the beloved, in Christ, I am found in Christ Jesus. I'm going to look at probably seven or eight, probably by the time the series is, I'll probably look at about 60 or 70 of them. But there is quite a number uh, of them that, that are very profound that talk about who we are and what we are in him and how to get there. Next week, I'm going to be talking about how to get to the part of freedom. So on what do we base our identity? Okay, and this is how we usually think. We think, you know, I'm, you know who are you? And someone says, you know, I'm young or I'm old or I'm, I'm black, I'm white, I'm brown, I'm yellow, I'm red, whatever your, your color is. I'm Dutch Indonesian, so I'm a mutt, you know, but I don't care. Because I'm in Christ, that's what I am. Amen? Yeah. And I'm poor, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm smart, I'm not that smart, I'm beautiful. Well, obviously. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs> am I a winner? Am I a loser? Am I healthy, sick, single, married, you know, divorced, widowed, etc.? All these things may explain us, but they don't define us. Amen? We even do personality profiles, which are very helpful, that tell, you know, we do strength finders that talk about how you think. And you say, you know, I'm a strategic person, or I'm an achiever, learner type of, you know, strength, or I'm concrete or abstract, or I'm a let's go, or I'm a let's stay together. We have these different personality profiles. I'm an ENTJ. I'm a J-E-R-K. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, you might have these different... <laughs> gifting profiles that you might think that you are but but i'm telling you the strongest root of this is who god sees me as so in one sense i have the past who i've been and then when god has redeemed me it's how he says that i am how many say amen, amen. and so god now sees me there he's not in bound by time where he's in my journey going i wonder if it's going to happen from the foundation of the earth, the beginning of time, God already knew this before time began. 
and, he, and he, I'll show you scriptures that infer this. And then all the way to the end, he sees exactly the finished product. And now he's working on us. This is very good news. Amen? So it's, it's, sometimes we wrongly think this way. You know, I need to kind of live my life in a way that I'm fruitful and I'm holy and I'm mature and I'm moral. I'm growing so that Jesus will want to have relationship with me. I'll show him how good I am so that I can have relationship with him. That is not the wrong. It's exactly the opposite of that. Christ through the cross has redeemed us. Amen? Come on, a loud amen. amen. This is the truth. He has already paid a price for us. So because of his work, we are in Christ. He surrounds us. He is in us. When God the Father looks at us, we are clothed in Christ. So we look good. Okay? And he's been doing deeds on our behalf, like that G.I. Joe president, but good deeds that have represented us perfectly. And now, when we finally do become the president of our lives, God says, wow, I can't believe the amazing things you did. Come on in. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's the believing, faithful, believing, bestowing, a believer. Now, the world and the church world often does it the opposite this way, opposite way. They're trying to get good with God so that they can have relationship with God. God has brought us into relationship already. I'm, okay, and I'm gonna talk, I'll talk about this a little bit more in just a moment. Okay, so am I in Adam or am I in Christ? For just as though the disobedience of the one man, the many were made what? Sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, that's now Jesus, the many will be made what? They'll be made righteous. They're not going to make themselves righteous. They'll be what? Made righteous. Okay? So whether you, so think about this. This is an incredibly important point. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. If you don't have Christ, you've not put your confidence in Christ, then you are in Adam. Literally, your identity and your, and your eternal destiny hang in the balance of whether you're in Adam or you're in Christ. You're either born in Adam as a sinner, and that's where you are, and you, before the Father God, come to him in Adam, who is still under the curse, under the judgment of God. Or you come in Christ as a new creation, a new creature, because you are found righteous because, not of what you've done, because that's why grace is grace. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it, because what Christ has done. How many say amen? Okay, so that's who we are. So put the next slide on. So like I said, we're spoken of in Christ 216 times in the New Testament. And we're described as sinners only a few times in the epistles. And one time in Peter where he says, wash your hands, you double-minded. You know, purify your hearts, you sinners. Weep and will and mourn before the Lord and he will lift you up. That's one scripture um, that's mentioned sinners. And he's talking to a Jewish group that will not, aren't adhering to believing in the gospel. And he's trying to tell them, you got to understand that you're a sinner. You've got you to repent. Now, we wrongly start to live, you know, in this idea of in Christ or being a saint versus being a sinner. Now, I want, I want to give this example because I hear this example all the time where someone will say, you know, that person is a real saint, you know, and I've done probably 100 or 150, who knows, funerals. 
Um, so I've been to a lot of funerals. And I'll talk to families afterwards, and I hear this more often than anything else. They'll say, you know what? And they'll describe granny or somebody, and they'll say, they just passed away. And they go, they were really good. And so they were a saint. And so I, I want, I don't, it's not, not always the best time to bring this up at a funeral. <laughs> Your granny was a sinning dog. No, you don't want to say that. She used to lace the cookies with weed. Okay? Probably not. <laughs> but think about it this way. What, what are, is, I understand what they're saying. What they're saying is, wow, she did some really good things. But being really good, does you, you have to be as good as Christ to be able to be called a saint based on your own works. You mean granny was never bitter? Granny was never angry, never self-centered, never argued, always had pure love, face-to-face, transparent, no guile, no deceit, pure intimacy, love like God has. How many think Granny probably fell short? How many knows that Granny is saved by the same blood this loser's saved by? Right? I, I woke up with all kinds of things that I did, and guess what? I needed the same grace that she needs. And that's why I'm a saint. I'm a saint because of what the Lord has done. How many say amen to this? Turn to someone and say, you are a saint. Right? Now, I want you to think about this. Now, if you heard that and you aren't a believer, then the Bible says that you're a sinner in need of Christ. That's what you're in need of. And so that saint would have, you'd have heard that and gone, I don't know. But understand, we don't become a saint by what we do, amen? We get, it by, we get it by what God has done. Okay, now God sees me as, can everyone just say this with me? Say, being in Jesus. I'm, I'm in him. And I kind of want to draw a picture here of self-identity. This is us. Go ahead and put that picture up if you would. Um, yeah, there it is. Um, so self-identity here. We have God you know, kind of a beam of light, his goodness, his grace is moving toward me, the person, the human, me on my own. And my rebellion, my enemy, being an enemy of God by choosing my own path, my own ways, discarding his commandments, his ways. And not just because I didn't follow a couple of his rules, I reject the relationship from God. We are born rejecting that relationship, being introverted in a sense. And me alone, I'm fallen, I'm a sinner, I'm destructive, I'm a rebel. In other words, destruction. Do you ever walk around where you're trying to make gains in your life, but you keep finding yourself going toward areas of destruction? You're going, why do I keep doing this? This is my own choices, my own um, liberal freedom. I'm a rebel, I'm unholy. And if you say, well, I'm pretty holy, well, who are you comparing it to? Like your favorite rock star? You know, hey, man, I'm pretty holy. I mean, I don't eat bats on stage. Oh, well, you're holy then. You know, you know. You know, here's the father. Here's Ozzy Osbourne. Here's you. I mean, you're real close. You know, I think there's a bigger chasm. Amen. And then this is the other side of it. The next one is you see God through the cross, this beam of light, this spirit, not only graces over our lives, but God actually dwells in us. So in Christ, I put restored twice. Maybe you get, I, it's a typo there. Uh, but, but I'll take two, twice restoration. 
restored, I'm a saint, I'm restored, I have, I'm a child of God, I'm holy, and you can put the next one on. There's a number of things in here that God describes that I'm a loved, I'm a new creation, I'm chosen, I'm reconciled, I'm redeemed, I'm family, I'm gifted by God. Listen to how the scripture says it. If anyone is, can everyone say with me, in Christ? If anyone, if anyone here is in Christ, he is a new creation. You have been created in a immortality transcendent way that is not of this world. It is not of this world. And only you would know that because you would know if you're just going to church or if someone has birthed something new in your spirit. You are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. God no longer sees you that way. You are in Christ. Do I hear an amen? Listen to what he says. That's not something that you've earned. That's why he says, let no one boast. What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? In other words, he gives to each one a measure of faith. That's to the believer. So that they can see the truth of the gospel. And it says, what do you have that you didn't get? And First Peter says it this way, for you have been born again. How many say amen? But not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. Again, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. In Christ, we are shielded from our own rebellion, our own sins. We've been separated from that. Christ gives us access. Even though I still have the old Adam in me, I also have the new um, uh, creation in Christ in me as well. How many say amen to that? And so all the grace of God, all these giftings are available to me. But guess what? I still have the old man that I'm struggling with. So go to the next one. We are born in Adam. We are born again in who? In Christ. Listen how Jesus says it. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides, whoever dwells, lives in me and I in him. In other words, we have fellowship, relationship. It's going to come to the cross. This is his prophecy in John 14. He's already said that. He it is that bears much fruit. Listen, and apart from me, you can do what? You cannot do anything. You can do nothing. There's no good thing. You know, abide is language of relationship. Remember, Jesus is a person. He's not a concept. The branch needs the trunk. The trunk, the vine, is the root. Now, you know, I've heard others say that the, you know, the vine also wraps its way around the branches and, and, and close it in. But it's also the root that goes in the ground and is connected to the growth. The branches, if they fall off, are just dead branches. They bring no more life. Life stops. But if, as we're connected to him, which happens in Christ, the Bible says that we also start to, we're a branch that we can produce leaves and a life can come from us as well, okay? But there's no nourishment, there's no life. We cannot survive without the trunk. Now, it's not you that's a living only, but it's Christ in you, it's Christ through you. How many are sticking with me here, Okay. I'm trying to get this. Now, I want you to see Paul here for a moment because we have two identities, our old identity in Adam and our new identity in Christ, our new creation. Paul describes it this way in Romans 7. 
where he's describing this redeemed life that he got from the Lord. And he says this, he says, I don't understand what I do. He says, for what I want to do, I do not do or don't do, but what I hate, I do. Now listen to what he says, as it is, it is no longer, can everyone say, I myself? It's no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. Have you ever, now that you've found the Lord, started to see the good things you wanted to do, but your sin nature, something in you also wanted to do something else? Anyone experience that? Okay, this is the heart of this, of this message. Because on one sense, the cry of Adam, his old sinful nature that is under the curse, that's what the sinful nature is, the sarks in the Greek. It is under the condemnation of God. And it says, he says, I know that nothing good lives in me, and I know that the world tells you the opposite of this. Everything good is in you. You just need to tap in your inner champion. You know what I mean? That's what the world is. And I am contra- giving you a contrarian message. Um, even though that may not compute right away, that that's not true. Yes, God loves you. He is value on you and cares about you. But he's talking about a goodness or righteousness. He's saying there's nothing in there that's that. Okay? He says, that is in my sinful nature. Listen, I have the desire to do what is good, but what? I I cannot carry it out. Next page. For what I want to do is not the good I want to do. No. The evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer who? It's no longer I who do it. It is sin living in me that does it. Now, I don't know how old you guys are, but how many remember the old show called Flip, the comedian Flip Wilson? Oh, yeah. What did he always used to say? He, he'd be playing this character called Geraldine, I think it was. And, and then he'd be doing this evil thing, and he goes, man, the devil made me do it. And then he'd say, devil, get thee behind me. Right? That, that was kind of his joke. I do not say this as an excuse. And Paul does not make an excuse about this. Like, well, you know, I'm not taking responsibility for it. No, he's trying to explain the identity because he's about to go to Romans 8 to talk about how he's secure in the love of God in Christ that he cannot be separated from. He's trying to make the point here that he has this dueling tendency within him. And by the way, when he gets to the verses that I just quoted, he switches from past tense to present tense. So this is an active present tense. He said, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. And the answer is what? That's right. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So on one hand, I'm in Adam and I've been born in him and I have my old pattern. But then I have the Bible telling me, because now that I'm in Christ, it says, don't be conformed any longer to these patterns. And then he says this, not active, like like be transformed. He's saying in a passive way, be transformed. Let it be, let it happen to you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let God change you. Don't physician heal thyself. Let the Lord come in and restore you because he knows who you are. And you may come to your senses like the prodigal son and go, well, maybe, 
you know, I really blew it, but maybe I can sit in the back of the church. No, sit in the front of the church. And I don't mean the actual front. I'm talking about your heart present before God to say, Lord, I'm yours. I am the child of the Lord. I'm an inheritor of the kingdom. I am the son of the king, a prince. I'm a royal priesthood. I am the son of the living God by the grace and mercies given to me through Christ. Amen? And the Holy Spirit of God is in me. I am a conqueror. You know, I can conquer all things through Christ. I am a champion in the Lord. Nothing can defeat me. I am loved by God. I am graced by God. I am blessed by God. I am chosen by God. I am called by God. Amen? This is the truth. Verily I say unto you, this is the truth. It really is. So let's look at a few of these. Number one, and we're going to spend five weeks on this, so it's going to be very profound. Number one, say it with me. Say, I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. If you understand the profoundness of this, imagine that the God of intimacy, purity, again, no deceit, nothing there. If you've been loved by your parents, you've had a pretty rich love, but it's nothing like Father's love. The Father's love is deep. I try to love my kids with all my heart, and still I do not have the absolute purity of God. Imagine the purity and the righteousness of God and his love that does not stop. It is his very definition. It is his reason for redemption. His love motivates it. For God in this way loved the world. This is the way that he wanted redemption to come. Motivated by the one source that is above all things. But what about tongues and prophecy and all these magical gifts? The greatest of all these is love. It doesn't even compare to the other ones. The other ones reveal the love that God has. I love Paul. He says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, in other words, whether you're alive or whether you're dead, it doesn't matter. That neither angels, no angelic being, no alien clone that could come from some distant galaxy or an angel in disguise, no cre- creature, neither the present nor the future, not now, your past has been redeemed, your present, nothing coming up. There's not any power. I do not know how to get any clearer than that. Well, what about my own power? What about this power? There is nor any power. I mean, I don't know how to exegete scripture any better than just say it what it says. There is not any power that can separate you from the love of God in Christ. And there's only two types of beings. There is the creator himself, and then there is creatures called creation. He says, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation. Are you in creation? Well, then you can't stop it. Do you have power? Well, it's not enough. Because there's not any power that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ. Nothing will separate you from the love of God that is, can everyone say, in Christ Jesus. In Him. We are not from Adam anymore. We are in Christ. We are not from this tree and this tribe and this camp. We are in the camp of Christ. Number two, I am graced. Say it with me. 
I am graced. I am graced by the Lord. Grace, you didn't earn it. I always thank God for you because of his grace. Can everyone say, given you? It's given you in Christ Jesus. It's given you in Christ. God has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us, can everyone say, in Christ Jesus, before the beginning of time. Really? Before matter came into existence, before energy was there, before molecules moved, before anything, God is saying before the concept of time or space-time, any definition of time, before that happened, he said, I gave you this grace in Christ Jesus. Is this a God with foresight? We are not in a plan B, ladies and gentlemen. We are in a plan A. And that is God's plan from the very foundation of the earth. Look what it says on the bottom. It says, through Christ Jesus who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light to the gospel. Number three, say it with me. Say, I am his child. And you can say it. Say, I'm his son or I'm his daughter. Say it. Amen. Thank you, Dion, for clearing that up for everybody. Seriously. (laughs) The Spirit himself testifies. So is the Spirit in us? If we're in Christ, the rebellion that we had in that picture that I showed you is not pushing away God. That rebellion has been removed through the cross of Christ because Christ lived with no rebellion and earned us a spot record that would make us look unrebellious. We are now compliant before God through his work. That's how we are positionally. And so here he gives this description. He's saying the spirit's in you now because he's no longer repelled by your rebellion or being an enemy of God or your own self-righteousness or pride or arrogance or bitterness or fear or doubt or lack of courage, whatever it is you sin you have. He's saying he's in you. And listen to what it says. It says According to God's grace, I'm sorry, it says the spirit himself testifies with our spirit. In other words, our suke, pneuma, our breath, our soul, and his soul bear witness with one another that we are God's children. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Amen. Just think about it. The, the royalty of Christ that has earned not only salvation, but blessing, promises fulfilled, have been given to you. And guess what the old man thinks, the Adam? The Adam thinks, no, I'm not worthy to be called your son. You know, just let me, let me just be with the servants. Just sit me in the back. I, I know my life. And, God, and, and the father of that son says to the servants, go get the fatted calf. Go get the robe. Put it on him. Put the ring on him. How many say amen? Amen. I'm telling you the truth. This is how the Lord sees us. According to God's great mercy, listen to this, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable. I wonder if God knows his own vocabulary. Like, I wonder when the Lord wrote the scriptures that he was thinking to himself, these are the right words to use. You know what I mean? I've had people go, man, that was such an amazing message. It was really good. And I'm going, thank you. I was just reading what he said. 
I'm a genius. I'm a legend in my own mind. Do you think that the Lord thinks that his inheritance is imperishable? Do you think that it's undefiled? Do you think that when he says that we who are in Christ are being called from glory to glory and ever increasing glory, that those he predestined, he called, and those he called, he justified, and those he justified, he glorified, and that we ride in triumphant procession, that we are brought to have a glory through the sons and daughters of God be revealed to all creation, that when he says that we have an imperishable, undefiled, and unfading that it's not a glory diminishing like Moses' face when he came off the mountain and the glory little by little started fading out because it wasn't secured by the power of Christ. It was the opposite. It says, kept in heaven for you an inheritance. How many say, I'm a child of the Lord? Listen, it's perfect love that casts out all fear. Number four, can you say with me, say, I'm a saint. I'm a saint. <laughs> And the reason is, is because you've helped old ladies across the road. And that's what does it. You could be a wretch the whole time, but as long as you help some people in the grocery store and take your cart back and that you recycle, you are a saint. How many know that that is not enough? And it's not like God, I want you to see that God's not like, you didn't do enough, yeah. No, God, understand that God in his purity and his righteousness knows what pure love is. So when you fall short of it, you are not in relationship with him. God is removing all the obstacle, taking you out of the kingdom of darkness and bringing you into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his son whom he loves. And he's in that same love so that he can, you can experience him so that you'll know him. You'll know him fully even as you yourself are fully known. And you will be face to face with him. How many say Amen. This is the promise of him. I'm a saint. All the New Testament epistles begin like this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, I'll add, by the will of God, according to his own will and purpose, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful, the pestuin, the believers in Christ Jesus. Romans 1, I'm writing to all of you at Rome who are loved by God and are called to be saints. How many say amen? This is we are saints because we are in Christ. Number five, I am blessed. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, say it with me, blessed us. He blessed us. He blessed us in the heavenly realms. I am, everyone say, I'm not in Adam anymore, but I am in Christ. And in Christ, we are in him, we're clothed in him, and he is now seated with the Father. Amen? On our behalf. And guess what the Bible says? The Bible says that you are with him, in him, seated with him up there. Is that awesome? We are seated in Christ. We are in him up there. Paul says, stop thinking down here. Fix your eyes up there. Fix your eyes. And it's not a location like vertical. It's a transcendent place outside of the material decaying, corrupt world that is little by little devolving, although the world is saying we're getting more and more and evolving. What's really happening is things are devolving. Your cells are not getting better and more order. You know, the genes within your DNA sequence used to be just, they thought they were unitary elements. Now we know that they're sections of digital code. You don't take code and randomly put other code in your software and expect to get more functionality. 
You get less functionality. Just go into any game and look at the software code, take some out and put some random stuff in and tell me if it gets better and more functional. You know, if it's a function of a door opening in your game, the door will probably still open, but it'll open the wrong place. You know? Thank God that we are saved by him. Outwardly, we're wasting away, but inwardly, we're being what? We're being renewed in Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. How? Say it one more time. I am in Christ. Okay, that's my heritage. Then last two, I am chosen. For he chose us. Can everyone say in him? When? Before the creation of the world. Huh. To be holy and blameless. How? Can everyone say in his sight? In his sight. In love. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will. And I love this. You mean God's having a good time? God's doing this in his pleasure? It's like, it's like you're up in heaven. You go, God, what are you doing today? I'm redeeming a bunch of people. It's like you're playing video games? No, I'm redeeming real people. <laughs> you know, not just graphical polygons with a name over their head that says John as you're running around. You know what I mean? There goes John. <laughs> He's redeeming real people. <laughs> you know, we, we start like this, you know. <laughs> hey, man, I'm going nowhere. To God going, oh, I'm changing you. And all of a sudden you go, I got purpose. And, you know, and it's not like God's going, I'm so upset about marijuana. No, God wants to redeem us because he wants us to know him. Amen. Uh, sin separates us from this. He predestined so... He predestined us to be adopted as his sons. You know, we're doing a baby dedication in our Spanish church. It's adopted little girl. And as if that's special, just adoption, like something unusual. Can I tell you, the only way to get in the kingdom is through adoption. That's the only way. That's the normal way to be saved is adoption. So adoption is the normal way. It shows you that relationships comes from the heart, not just the blood. Amen? So I am chosen by him to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely, can everyone say, given us in this one and the son he loves. Second Thessalonians, almost done here. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel. Just say, I am chosen. And here's, here's the last one, okay? And I, I really, I'm really just going to finish on this, and then Ira's going to come up and, and close for us. In him, we have redemption. Just say it. Say, I am redeemed. I, am redeemed. I, I put a little parentheses forgiven. I know that the Christian church understands forgiveness. And they go, man, I blew this, and I am forgiven. And, and isn't it nice? How many think it's great to be forgiven? You know, it's like, oh, I'm forgiven and all that. But the promise of God is bigger than that. He is going to redeem you all the way. His promise isn't just, oh, you blew it? Well, I've got forgiveness. No, it's salvation. 
You see that word soterio, the noun, or sozo, the verb of salvation, to be saved, saving. That is also translated sometimes in the New Testament, healing. It's the same Greek word, but sometimes it says they'll be healed. Like by his stripes will be healed. That Hebrew is translated to Greek when it's inferred in the New Testament. I am healed. By his stripes, by the cross, I am saved. Amen? I am redeemed by him. How many want to be redeemed by the Lord? Come on. Do you want to be redeemed by the Lord? Listen, say it with me. Say, I am redeemed. I am in Christ, in heaven, in the, right before the Father, in Christ. I have complete access to the Lord. That's the truth. That's the identity that you have. My first couple years as a Christian, I was always struggling to try to get right with God. And the more I tried, the more it seemed like I failed. It, more, it was almost as if God was sabotaging my unrighteous, <laughs> fake righteousness. How many can relate to this? And, and I am, let me tell you what I'm not doing. I am not telling you to live a licentious, gr- graceless, just I can do whatever I want. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is it has to come by the power of God because apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Amen. Listen, I, come on up. Put on the next scripture. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Can everyone say, in Christ Jesus? In Christ Jesus. Why don't you close your eyes and um, just to respond to this, and then Ira's going to take over. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. My question to you is, who are you? Who are you? Are you just an Adam, your own boss, your own man? your own righteousness, your own ways. Well, that's what Adam was, his own ways. Or are you in Christ Jesus? Because you put your faith in him and now you're identified before God in Christ, cleansed, holy, blameless. Which is it? Just take a moment just to think about it.